Mississippi ended its mask order. It ends in Texas next week. The state of California is going to start setting aside 40% of all vaccine doses for people who live in the most vulnerable neighborhoods. Security has been tightened at the Capitol over a new threat. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm or wmr.fm. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and not quite Dave Davies. Uh, Dave is away celebrating his anniversary. Joining us is Christine Schackinger from uh, Sites Without Walls. Christine, welcome back to Webcology. Thank you for having me. And wow, you got my name right again. I'm so excited. I, I, I think this is like seven or eight times in a row now. I know so. it is. It's, it's impressive. I know. If I, do, if I do it 10 times in a row, I try to do a leprechaun. <laughs> um, you know, I've actually, I've actually gotten much better. This is this is the show that over the over the, the sixteen years of the show, if your name was Smith, you might have been pronounced Smythe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's I've I, I'm really trying, trying hard to get to do. Oh yeah, I, I'm just teasing. You. I'm just teasing. Thank you so much for jumping yeah. in at the last second. Um, uh, again, Dave is uh, off on his anniversary week. Um, with 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 Mary, so. Um, you and me. Yay! Luckily, lots and lots and lots happened in the search world over the last week to talk about. Um, tons of things happened. Uh, to start, we've had a couple of COVID scares. Um, and I'm not going to mention any names. I, people don't want uh, necessarily want to be talked about. But it's been out there on Facebook and on Twitter. And so far, so good. The three people I'm thinking of are moving through the uh, moving through the disease and tend to be a report that they're feeling better. Um, total, total. It's almost like vague booking over the air, but I know that there's a lot of people out there out there who are concerned. Um. So more and more and more happened. Uh. We should probably just dive right in. Have you noticed in Google Search Console, like, rich results are vanishing off the page? I have seen people post about that. <laughs> ah, it has, but it hasn't happened to my clients. No, <laughs> well, I'm working with a site migration right now, so we're not working. We haven't, that's not the area I'm working on. With them. Um, I, have, I, have a, I have a number of e-commerce clients, and so uh, rich results are obviously really important to them. And uh, in one case, we've seen just a plummet in rich results in the last couple of weeks. So naturally, that sent people scurrying to figure out what's what, what the problem is. Right? It's got me completely, completely. Um, what's the right word? Terrified that the client might um, think it's all my fault. Of course, it <laughs> is. You're the SEO. It's always your fault. <laughs> well, actually, as it turns out. It might not be my fault after all. It might just be a new way of Google showing displeasure. <laughs> um, I like that, showing displeasure. Well, I've, I've tried to be polite about it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, if, if Google has um, 
well, for want of a better phrase, a trust issue. If Google finds something weird, kinky, or untrustable about the site, and the um, technical headings, weird, kinky, or untrustable, are actually very wide headings. It's hard to say exactly what weird, kinky, or untrustable might mean. But there's a variety of reasons. Um, you might have prices out of alignment with what's displayed on one page and on, on another page. You might have information out of alignment with each other. Your schema might be like contradicting itself and um, looking like you're trying to cheat in, in a promotional way or something. Google's found something. And it might be on the pages that, um, that it indicates as examples. It might be a site-wide thing. And one of the ways it's showing displeasure, according to uh, to Google itself, is by um, yanking rich results. Yeah, I saw that, and I have seen some people post in the back group, you know, the, the groups that we all have, um, where they've fallen like off cliffs for certain queries, and then have found that it's their their rich results. Um, so the question is, um, that you're able to see. Uh, you're able to diagnose the problem, you know, where we're, we're getting a lot less traffic and uh, our, our, our rankings seem to, our, our traffic seems to have plummeted. You're able to diagnose, we've, 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 we've lost rich results. The natural question is now what do you do about it, right? Yeah, because once you lose a rich result, you often have a really hard time getting it back. Um, I worked for a big commerce company. This is just in general. Mm -hmm. And they, they got their third biggest page was US UK shoe size chart. And that's because they were in the featured snippet for multiple versions of that search term. And they decided they reworked the page, which I told them they shouldn't do. And uh, they reworked the page and the content was very, very similar. Nothing really major, just a look and feel mostly. And they dropped off for half of the results that they were showing for because once they changed it, Google reassessed and decided they didn't want them there. So even here's, replacing it with the old page didn't bring it back. Here's what's going to happen. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually kind of getting this from a conversation that happened on Twitter between uh, Glenn Gabe and uh, Bueller. But I'm also kind of getting this from this is what's going to happen if you're at SEO and you would counter which results are missing. You're going to go to Google Search Console and you're going to start like researching as, as closely as possible under the products tab what's going down. Uh, you're going to start checking your breadcrumbs and your schema, starting from breadcrumbs and moving downwards. You're going to find that everything is the way it should look. Um, or that's hopefully you're going to find that. And you're going to bash your head against your desk a couple of times because everything looks fine. The schema is the, the schema is supposed to be. Everything, all the slots is filled in. But you're still losing rich results and you can't figure out why. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to bang your head on your desk. Guaranteed. Everyone does exactly. it. Um, it could be a site-wide quality issue. Now, again, that's a, that's a huge, huge uh, 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 can of worms. Open it. That's may well be the place you should probably look, and you might even think of looking there. It's true. And then the other thing, too, about, uh, especially if it's a featured snippet, is they don't look at accuracy of content or truth or fact in any other area of the internet, but uh, featured snippets. And they do do a consensus of information. So if you're like, 
if everybody else is saying tomatoes are red and you're like, no, but they're rainbow color, you're not going to show for a feature snippet because they're looking for consensus of data. So um, one of your quality issues could just be that you're not saying what other people are saying for a featured snippet. Indeed. So yeah. there's a there's there's still a hundred odd things you might look at. Yeah. But at yeah. least you know the direction to be looking in. Exactly. True. Yeah. Very true. Uh, again, I've I, I'm I'm I've just gone through this uh, same sort of issue client and. Um, until this was published this morning at like seven this morning in the search engine roundtable, I mightn't have thought that it might be. A, I mean, I'm site like quality issue. So what are you going after the rich results for? Well, and and actually, so when I've been doing talks lately, I've been um, uh, sectioning off Google's algorithms. They originally were about spam, then they were about usability. Now they're about quality. Site quality core updates mm -hmm. as a as an overall site quality algorithm. Um, so it looks like they're doing that also with Core of Vitals as a site quality algorithm, set of algorithms, because mm -hmm. now they put usability and technical and other things in there. And now it looks like they're also applying it to the featured snippets where they're, they're looking at overall site quality, or, or rich snippets, I'm sorry, uh, overall site quality. And that seems to be the direction overall Google's been moving in. And I, and I have a little theory behind that, and it's just my theory, but uh, the web is very, very expensive to crawl. They have trillions of pages. They have enough documents on everything in the world that they need at this point. So now if your site isn't quality, they don't feel a need to return you in the results, whether it's a snippet or whether it's um, number one position because it costs so much. Well, sure, so, and if they have inventory to fill in there and somebody who is answering the question or providing the, uh, the, the data that their searchers are looking for, um, why should they? Why should they fill you in? Well, and also if your site is of quality also includes like technical, right? Or structure or schema or so if they're going to your site and it's like you have 999 resource calls, you don't have schema, you don't have a proper page structure and your site architecture all roots is off the root. Why bring you back when they can easily crawl somebody else who has good site architecture, good page architecture, good content architecture, good topical signals, good linking signals, right? Because they're easier to crawl an index. So um, not that they're not going to bring back the most relevant, even if you ha have a bad site. But I do think that they're not going to feature you or worry about featuring you in the featured snippets and doing that additional work that they have to do because it's so expensive. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I agree. Absolutely agree. And I mean, yeah. think about it to add to what you're saying. Um, it's been 11 months since um, COVID shut down um, retail outlets uh, around the world, mm -hmm. especially especially here in North America. And um, in that time, like business, small businesses, retailers, the mom and pa stores uh, along Main Street, they've all gone to the internet to try to yeah. um, solve this uh, customer acquisition problem they've suddenly got. Um, that's, your, that's, that's your competition now. Your competition used to be everyone who was on the internet. Your competition now is everyone who wants to remain in business. Yeah, that's very true. That's a really good point. And, and I, I came to the, the belief about the quality and cost thing is when I read about Google's, one of their latest tech uh, you know, centers, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Their server centers, uh, where they had to build a dam to hold back the water. Yeah, that was an event. Yeah, to cool their, well, there's actually another one. This is Kentucky or Kansas or something. 
Mm. So it's probably they've probably done it frequently. But I'm like, if you're having to build a dam to cool your centers, then how much money are you spending just crawling and indexing the web at this point? Well, indeed, I, and yeah. I've, we've often made that joke on the show too. When Google wants to build a new data center, they don't um, get a contract with the power company. They build their own uh, yes. hydroelectric dam. Exactly, they do. They do. And I, I do think Google has decided that they, they need to spend less time and resources on sites that uh, are difficult to crawl and index. And so when John Mueller said site quality, he's talking about all quality. Core updates are all about site quality and relevance, but site quality. So, I, so I, I do think they're focusing on that now. That is like, where, how, where else can they make profit? They've eked out the ads. They're even losing money on ads now. So where else we'll send, save money on costs. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You don't once once you've you've uh, achieved achieved uh, peak profitability, you don't make money by making new product. You make money by saving money. Exactly, exactly. I think um, that's where they're at. That, that may well be true. Uh, I wonder if it's part of the great COVID shakedown that's coming. You know, the the great change, the great changes in society, and this might be an op the most opportune time for uh, the big tech houses to have to deal with a uh with 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 a mega change in society um because if anybody can adapt as you know as rapidly it's the uh 25 year old mega businesses (laughs) so speaking of adapting (laughs) google's made another one and we, we sort of touched on this last week um but google's like a lot more definite about it now um page speed insight scores you yes. might actually be able to achieve them now. Google's changed the way it measures stuff. Um, mostly because it's actually looking at the way it measures stuff. It's as I can figure out. This is a Roger Monta story. It was published uh, again this morning. And uh, this was this is a this is a pretty complicated and in-depth one. But um, as near as I can figure a figure from what Roger's saying. Um Google created all these thresholds for us, you know, the, the, the core web metrics, page speed insights, all this. They created these metrics that we had to meet to be a quote unquote fast enough to be considered to be in the index site. And then they looked at the data that, that uh, they've been gathering on websites for the last like 20 years. <laughs> so they come up with thresholds. The thresholds are incredibly tight. You, you, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, Almost none of your client websites are fast enough to meet these thresholds unless you seriously strip them down, right? Well, now Google's lowered the thresholds or sped up the way it measures websites. Sped up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of weird to me because, yes, you should not be on HTTP1 at this point. But if you are, speeding it up for their crawl doesn't make it actually any faster to users because you're still on HTTP1. So for those that don't know, Google's gonna use HTTP2 if the server has HTTP2 to do the testing, but you may not be using HTTP2. So HTTP2 is faster. Mm-hmm. So so your site's not actually faster because you're still using one. They're just gonna measure it like it's faster, which tell, goes back to that thing I was just saying where it's really expensive to call the web. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last week I was complaining that, you know, Google gives these directives and they, they really push us to meet them. 
and then they change the goal. Then they move the goalposts. Uh, you know, after we've done all this work. Um, this is kind of a case of that. Um, and it may well may well go into to play again into what you're saying, Christine. Um, Google really wants us to do this because to, to, to speed up um, our pages because it cuts their costs. Well, I think that's actually really motivated behind behind CWVs because PageSpeed has been a ranking factor, much to the surprise of many I've found out this last couple of weeks since 2010. And that was in uh, desktop and then it was in mobile in 2018. Mm-hmm. And the, user, uh, the only thing they've added is the cumulative late, uh, layout shift. Everything else has been part of the PageSpeed metrics in different formats, but you know, same idea. And then usability factors, all of those are, except for one, I can't remember which one, are not new. Nothing's new except those two items. They've, they've been around for... Uh, last last Contentful Paint is the new one. No, that's actually was represented as something else before in the PageSpeed document. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, in the PageSpeed document for developers, I've been using those with clients for like six years. And so... so when a page becomes useful on the mobile device is, yeah. uh, is an old measurement. It's a different measurement, but it's similar. So what Google did with CWVs is they took all the old measurements and they standardized them and made them so they weren't dependent on certain things the developer couldn't control to meet. Um, so a lot of SEOs are like, well, I got 100 on PageSpeed Insights. That wasn't really that meaningful because it was just a couple of metrics that they would check. But they were still looking at like your whole DOM load versus like your whole page load in the PageSpeed algorithms. Uh, but now they're standardizing it, so it's easier for a developer to meet, like, okay, I did these thresholds on these vitals, and that matters. Uh, but it was, it's, it's more a thing now for, because it's in GSC with green lines, it's more about people who are stake owners, like, knowing that they need to do this, not that developers hadn't heard about it before, or not that technical SEOs hadn't been doing it for a decade. So, so, and I think it goes along the same lines again. They want to speed up the web. It's a lot to crawl. It's a lot to serve the web. And so they're pushing the CWVs with the up valuation because you also don't get a devaluation from it. You get an up valuation. So unlike most algorithms, you don't suffer if you're bad unless all your competitors are better than you. Well, I was about to say, yes. um, it's, 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 it's always a penalty when your competitors ranking better than you are. Yes, but unlike Penguin or Panda where they suppress your overall value and then you can't really do anything until the next algorithm rolls out and you fixed everything in this case you may go down to page two but that's just because all the competitors did core vitals well and they went up so and one other thing to mention just while we're on the topic so people do know what you see in gsc is a month old of a month old so it's four weeks data that takes a month to process so it's not live so your developers should not be trying to constantly meet that green metric. They should just be doing the standard lab environment, uh, fast 3G, slow 4G on a Nexus 5X, because that makes sure that they are fast enough on that. They'll be fast enough for everybody else. Because let's say there was this time last year, and let's say you uh, suddenly had a lockdown where everybody in the world went home and used their home computers. Well, now your core vitals could completely change because your users were in other environments, maybe faster, maybe slower. Now they're all at home. So the testing that they're doing in the live users would radically change and could really shift your vitals without anything changing on your site because you're using that live data. 
on that we gotta go to we gotta grab a commercial break <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> no worries um no worries that where we are we are over time for that uh, before we jump in uh quick shout out to david harry the gypsy it's his, it was his birthday the other day so oh, happy birthday yeah huge love to david happy birthday bro yeah okay friends you are listening to webcology on wmr.fm it's the uh 4th of march 2021 Stick around. Uh, it's Jim Edward Digital Always Media. I'm joined by Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And we're back after these messages. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Content for your ears and everything in between. Only on WMR.FM. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. And normally joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. But be, but Dave's on his annual honeymoon. Um, and uh, so I'm joined by Christine Schachter from Sites Without Walls. Uh, Christine, again, welcome to uh, Webcology. I'm so glad you're here this week. Me too. Thank you for having me. I always love uh, coming in, pretending to be Dave. <laughs> well, one of the one of the fun things, and I think uh, uh, long term listeners of the show know about the SEO industry is we're kind of, especially in the in the uh, people who've been in it for a very long time, it's a very collegiate atmosphere. It's like a club of sorts, um, and a lot of that is because of the conference circuit, especially in the earliest days when. Uh, we were really inventing the industry as we went along and we were inventing it while touring from city to city to city, talking about it um, at one of a, but that's a huge number of conferences that, that used to happen every year. Um, and, you know, there's some of these conferences, uh, some of these conferences are actually series where the same conference would be presented in multiple cities. Um, so you'd be with the same crew of people in a weird exotic city in some hotel that looks like just like every other hotel that you've been in uh, for the last, like, I don't know, five years as you've been on this unending search tour. 
and that's what life was like for for like for years for for for, for a lot of people in the search industry and it made the bonds between people so strong um which reminds me a uh, shout out to dave naylor um dave uh dave is one of the original um seos and uh one of the original people on the conference circuit and uh lost both his sister and father to COVID in the last uh um, yeah lost sister and father to, to COVID in the last month but just thinking about the conferences reminded me of dave um yeah, dave's one of the first people that i uh helped me get into the conference circuit so and, well, that was, uh, that's one of the things about the conferences people would would find newer people to the industry or people who were like say it was like your first speaking gig and if you were a veteran you'd take them under your wing and in a weird way you'd, you'd form a mentor mentee relationship for a little while well, um, yeah you and you and dave did that with me absolutely i remember um, you uh telling me t- pulling me aside and saying that um you you wanted me to promise one thing sort of like in a mafiasco kind of way <laughs> and that was that I would uh, find good people and bring them into the industry. Yeah. So I'll yeah. always pay it forward. And, yeah, and exactly. also like these, the, we are our own representatives, right? So yes. you want really good people talking about it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well speaking of really good people uh, talking about it and talking about uh, uh, the conferences, um, Jeff Ferguson, uh, Fang Digital, uh, another one of the OGs, one of the uh, original SEOs. He's published a, do, uh, a Google Doc, um, mostly for veteran speakers on the circuit, and Jeff knows them all. And uh, he's been uh, collecting information on you know, when, who is still presenting uh, conferences, and if they're going to be doing them virtual or trying to present them live in, uh, in 2021. And he's compiled a list. He's got um, about 25, 26 uh, different shows on on the list. And it amazes me how many are actually going to try to do a live show this year, eh? Mm-hmm. So the list reads, um, starts with like the Search Engine Journal eSummit. Um, those are all virtual. Um, and it goes MarTech, SMX, uh, Munchen, uh, Local University, C3 Conference, uh, Adobe Summit, uh, MozCon, SNX, Next, et cetera. Um, probably, I'd say 40% of the conferences on this list, many of them in the United States, um, are, uh, suggest they're going to, uh, to do a live show. The earliest one being, uh, Interact 21 in Columbus, Ohio, May 17th. They are ambitious people. Indeed. <laughs> um, Optimists, I, I would call them. The, the, the they better be optimists. It's a SEO conference. Yeah, that's true. Ah. Um, what do you think? Is there is there going to be like like people optimistically and ambitiously uh, say they're going to have a show in twenty twenty one? But um, I mean, even in Texas, I don't think it's actually going to happen. Uh, you know, I was listening to Doctor Fauci today, and if we hold the line, as they say. Um, he thinks we could be fairly back to normal by fall. So if you're like a September, October, November conference, maybe. I think if you're May, June, July, you're probably being overly optimistic. Well, I was about to say, speaking of optimists, um, Dr. Fauci is um, 
talking about if we have strong compliance. Yeah. With, um... yeah. And now we're at three states. So we're like, yeah, you know, mask, whatever. Um, I don't know. I want to go back to normal so badly. I am so sick and tired of COVID. I'm having, um, you know, my own personal issues with it. And let's face it, it's not one of the primary ways of getting new clients is going out and speaking at conferences, you know, putting yourself out there. And that's just not possible for, for a lot of people, for, for, for any of us right now. No. And also learning because you learn so much at a conference by sitting at the bar and talking to people and like, I had this issue. Oh wait, I solved it. Or I talked to John or I, there's so much you learn. I used to go to conferences just to re-energize because I would get like a year ahead in my learning when I was new, just by spending like three or four days with like you and Dave and, you know, um, Frank Watson and you know, all the, Dave Naylor, all the original OGs. And I just seek, you know, soak it all in. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I come back and I would apply it all. And I, I wouldn't learn that by sitting online, looking it up, especially back then, because we had no documents back then from Google or anything. I always found that going to conferences that would refresh me just from seeing people who, mm-hmm. Um, speak the same language and um, I have to say this politely most SEOs are hyper intelligent Um, there are people around whom you tend not to have to say the same thing twice that's just so refreshing oh my god it it is and and I I thought about that the other day and I think it's because you all because most of us get bored if we're not learning Mm -hmm. if you're an intelligent person you get bored if you're not learning so people get attracted to SEO because it changes all the time. And you're constantly having to think and apply and re-engineer and rethink. And Google said today the things we already talked about. Now we have to adapt to that and figure out what that means for our sites. And so I think if you're an intelligent person, it uses so many aspects of your brain that you're kind of drawn to it. So I agree, you go to a conference and you get like rejuvenated because everyone understands what you're saying and what you're thinking. And there's like an energy, like a think tank energy at a conference. Okay, so if... um. I'm not going to publish this URL because it's Jeff's document and such. But if you're a friend of uh, of, of, of Jeff Ferguson on Facebook, on Twitter, um, Pinterest, Instagram, what have you, wherever it might be, ask him for a link to it. Um, I think this is going to be a really useful document, one that speakers are going to be using um, into the future. Um, nothing... Uh, 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 striking or, or, or um, incredibly surprising on it again except that some folks be having <laughs> live shows in 2021 um, again I, I, I really wouldn't plan on that but uh, being involved in uh, in the shows even the virtual ones and like I know Christine you, you had some some awful experiences with virtual shows early on um, they're getting better eh? they're trying no, they can't. That's the thing. I had a debate with Kevin Indig the other day because he's like, well, how can we make them great? And you can't. And the reason you can't, and they came out with research now on that. Well, you can't is, make them great, but you can make is, them useful. You can make them useful, but online, on video, they're doing research now because everyone's online on video, is actually draining to the brain. It's draining to the energy of the person because you, uh, they've listed four factors in the article I read that they were studying, but basically like you can see yourself and everyone can see you and you have to try to interpret what people are saying without the normal signals. And it's just very draining on a lot of people. And I know a lot of SEOs that are speakers mid-year told me they weren't doing any more conferences until we're back live. 
And I think you could have a virtual component to a conference where you sell like a virtual ticket for those who can't come. And, you know, DEF CON does this, um, although they do it at the hotel. But you can get the CCTV and you can watch the talks in your room um, if you don't want to go to the talk. And you could do something like that. But I do think there's such an energy at a conference live and the way the human re humans interact, human beings by nature interact, that online conferences just can't ever be great. People have done a really good job trying to make them good, and they have, but they just can't, they can't have that energy. People are just drained by the end of the day. Yeah. And, yeah, so. And again, um, I really, really, really miss all of you. Like, like mm -hmm. my, 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 my search family, I haven't seen in, it feels like forever. And that's kind of what we are. Like we're a dysfunctional family. We have <laughs> crazy uncles and we have silly fights, but you know, I think probably I've gone more through life issues and life experiences that were important to me with you guys than I have with people I might know locally, except for a few close friends. Speaking of silly fights, there's been a few of them in the last couple of weeks online. Um, again, not mentioning nothing specific. <laughs> but I did notice the one that you were in got uh, solved. <laughs> yeah, you. Well, well, you okay. okay. I am mentioning something specific, but only because <laughs> you, you two seem to solve it nicely. And I'm quite curious about that. Um, so a really well-known European SEO spent the last week putting up oh, unpopular yes. opinions about SEO on, uh, on, on Facebook and on Twitter. And um, one of which was uh, technical SEO isn't a thing. That there's um, yeah. specialists, developers, uh, uh, user experience specialists, um, uh, LinkedIn, what have you. Um, people who can who deal with who are tasked with dealing with the technical aspects of running a website. And I think many people would agree that, in fact, he's right. There are people who are employed and tasked with the technical, they're called developers. We love them. Um, yes. And many, uh, uh, many people who identify as uh, technical, technical minded SEOs um, rose to the argument, yourself included, and uh, shot back at, 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 at the European SEO saying, hey, this really is a thing. So I don't want to get into the, 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 the initiative of the argument or anything, but what I am interested in, most interested in, because I loved the happy ending, um, was, a, was points of agreement that you all found towards the end of the argument. Well, I think Chris, sorry, said names. Uh, if you want to say the name, you're welcome to. <laughs> it was your argument. But, but I just want to backtrack really quick. We don't have to get in the minutiae or anything. But as I said earlier, PageSpeed's around since 2010. Technical SEOs have been here for a decade or more. Only because of the core web vitals are people suddenly realizing there's this technical SEO thing. And so there's this need on some parts of the industry to dismiss it as though it's not important. And it's not really SEO and you're just maintaining a website. And the way I say it is, you're a content writer but doesn't know SEO. Well, the content writer who does SEO comes in and helps optimize your content, makes it better for Google relevancy. And if you're the link person, the PR person can get all the links, right? But you help them get the links in a way that matters most. Well, technical SEOs aren't doing the development. We're just making sure that they meet web compliant. We're like the web compliant, Google compliance engineers. 
Because there's a lot of things a developer can do in a million different ways, and it's fine as a developer, but it's not fine for Google. And so what we do is we make sure that the site remains crawlable, indexable, um, relevant, like in site structures and link, internal linking structures, um, architecture, information architecture. We, we, we make sure that when Google gets the site, that it can crawl it and index it easily so that your content matters. Because if you can't, if Google can't interpret what the site's about or can't crawl it well or hits a redirect every other page, well, then your site's not going to rank so well, no matter how good your content is. So <laughs> they, they, they work together. But it's just kind of this thing that just lately I push back hard on because I've heard a lot of SEOs try to dismiss technical as not a thing. And it's like it's in the ranking factor. So therefore, it's a thing. Well, I, I, I've yeah. wondered about trying to dismiss certain certain uh, or yeah. different facets of the industry. And we, we've said this on, on, again, on this show a lot. I think I think we've, we've heard it on, on Webmaster Radio or on WMR quite frequently. Um, the world of search engine optimization has grown enormously as the web has grown and evolved. Web pages or websites are infinitely more complicated today than they were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, even even if, uh, you know, Matt Mobley come, came along and created uh, the WordPress content management system and half the websites out there are on WordPress, they're still infinitely more complicated than they were um, 20 years ago. Yes. There's... Yeah. The number of task groups that you need to do to do proper optimization on a website uh, span several different disciplines, and I don't I don't think there there really is an all in one SEO any longer. Oh, you can't be because you can't keep up with that much information. Uh, indeed, I th and if yeah. you try to do that, you're probably failing your clients on yeah. one level or another um, by trying to fake that you're that you're a that you're good at everything. Yeah, I agree. And that's the, 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 the very charitable side of me was thinking, well, that has to be where this person's coming from, where this person you were arguing was coming from. You know, um, uh, seeing their side of it, their, their discipline as the one, and not really seeing that the other ones are, are equally contributing factors. Well, I think that because um, content and links have been around so long, since the day one. That people... and, and incidentally, both are incredibly important. Oh, incredibly important. I would never say links weren't important. And I would never say content and keyword research and all that is not important ever in a million years. Um, but because sites have become incredibly complex and because of the way Google crawl sites has become incredibly complex. Like, I worked on a site where the canonicals kept were wrong. And we couldn't oh, figure yeah, out why. Okay. But, but what I figured out, because it was a, a single page application, it was a you know, JavaScript framework, that they were serving one canonical in the render and one canonical on the raw poll. So <laughs> for, the, for the dev, that didn't matter. He didn't really care that he was serving two different canonicals. What is canonicals? Canonicals is nothing to him. That's a Google thing, right? So once I found out that Google had changed how they crawl sites and they did the render poll and the raw poll and that canonicals have to be in the raw to be read properly, we made sure to move them out of the raw and take them out of the render. And that's a technical SEO. It's something that a developer wouldn't know because a developer doesn't need to know. And you can't put that on developers. They're always over, you know, overtaxed, under-resourced, and they have to keep up with their own stacks of information. So we come along and we help make that better because we know those things. Well, 
if I remember correctly, just just this week, John Mueller in uh, in a response to uh, to to an office hours question, um, and again, I, I may have the week wrong, but I'm pretty sure that John said uh, site architecture, the way you lay out your site, and the way you um, present uh, uh, page follow page follow page uh, gives us an indication of uh, the context of your website. That's and technical they, SEO. Yeah, exactly. And they always they always have, but apparently, I forget which audio it was. I think it was the search off the record where Gary was describing that what they do now is they tokenize the pages off the URL, then they separate the pages from the URL, take minimal HTML forward, divide the documents up into shards, and then recompile them on the other side. So if you are all off the route, you've given no importance to your, your website at all. Every page is important, right? So you have to have the hierarchy and the structure so Google knows what it's associated with Indeed. when it does that decom decompile and recompile. This, this, I, I don't mean to sound trite, but if every page is important, no page is important. I, exactly. And, and, and so site architecture, I had one site that got hit by the core updates really hard. Look at everything. Every every core update site has something blatantly wrong, um, but I couldn't find this one. And then I started looking at the URL structure, and they started with folders, but everything went back to the root. So the blog had a blog page, but everything was off the root, and that was what was wrong. So Google had no topical relevancy for the site, and they because this is a good site. Twelve years of handwritten travel com content by a couple, like it was beautifully written, beautifully designed all sorts of great content, 90% traffic loss. And it was probably doing quite well until Google changed the way it rendered sites. Well, sort of, with the core updates. Every core update has had something that was on the site, was blatantly bad, Google didn't care. Then Google did a core update and Google cared at the query level. They're all run on the query level. But that was the only thing wrong with the site. And so when John comes out and says, like, site architecture is important, it really is because you're basically with a website building a book and your site architecture is your table of contents. And so you're giving relevancy and topical mesh to your site with your site architecture and your folder structure. So, yeah, and that's technical SEO. I got a little off the point there. Sorry, but um, no worries. But that's all technical SEO. And, and, and so it is a little, sometimes a little discouraging when I see other SEOs dismiss a portion of SEO that's been around a really long time, because um, I, we, I would never do that to the other parts of SEO, um, but it's it's in the ranking factors, so it's obviously a thing. Uh, it's been in the ranking factors since 2010, so um, I, I just feel badly when part of the industry feels it has to dismiss part of the industry. We're going to have to take a break in a second, but we've got time for one more quick story to fit it in here. And I, this, this is a uh, one that I think confuses a lot of, a lot of listeners. Um, I, I know it confuses a lot of people because we haven't actually gotten here yet, but Google's going to be abandoning cookies uh, in, um, in, and replacing it with something called Flock, the Federation, Federated Learning of Cohorts. I love Google David. That's stuff. a weird name. I know. What about Google David's baby? I mean, like oh. it, would be, it, would, it would be like lure, like uh, grime, and uh, 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 it'd be some engineer combined yeah, with another um, engineer with an animal. <laughs> or whatever Grimes and Elon Musk named their baby, Google would try uh, to top it. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so Google's going to get rid of cookies, and it's going to go with um, grouping 
its users into, um, for want of a better term, affinity groups. Um, although it's going to be a, 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 a lot more refined than the affinity groups you might see in, say, like Google Search Console now. So when it stops using cookies, okay, I'll say this. You know how they say Google knows more about you than you know about yourself or than your uh, therapist knows about you? That's all probably true because Google traces everything you do on the web. Yes. It has um, I'm, I'm what we used to call the 26 the 26 year cookie because it expired in 2026. I, don't, I guess discovered around 2000. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure when Google's cookies expire now, but um, sometime long into the future and in that time as long as you don't clear your as long as you don't clear your cash and clear your cookies google's going to be following your every move so google knows about the midget porn don't even bother denying it google knows it just doesn't care until it comes time <laughs> to serving porn. ads to you which might explain some of the ads you've been seeing um but google's going to stop using cookies uh, the, 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 the new privacy laws in the European Union and mirrored fairly closely by the, the new privacy laws in California tell Google that, um, well, soon tens or hundreds of millions of its users um, are going to be in jurisdictions where cookies are illegal. So when has, Google has been following all of us for time immemorial, ever since Google's, ever since Google started, now it's going to stop as of sometime in the next couple months. I just find that fascinating. All that data and um, how Google's relationship to that data, because it used to be related right back to you, Christine, or to me, Jim. And now it's going to be to you who live in Las Vegas and kind of like the stuff that you like, or me who lives in Toronto and kind of likes the stuff that I like. I am curious if they're using all the data they currently have to develop the profile on you as part of the cohort. Well, I hope it's a damn sight better than the uh, stuff that Google Ads uh, tends to think about me. <laughs> um, apparently, I'm a mid-30s Republican from Michigan. <laughs> I'm also a Republican from... <laughs> I don't know from where, though. They just Sometimes I get weird things like that. But, um, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, I know. I'm. I think it's a good thing that they're being better at privacy. I don't always trust Google as being quite so transparent because that can all be reverse engineered. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but we'll see. But they say they can get 95% to where they were before with the new method over the mm. old method. So recently. Um social media advertisers were disturbed by the news that um, much of the uh, tracking of user interest wasn't as precise as Facebook um, and the, the properties Facebook owns says it was. And so in some cases, up to half the ad spend is now considered kind of flaky. You, you remember remember the fascination we, we had in the early days with Facebook where we were like, oh, my God, you can like laser target right into people who really do like those little Smurf dolls. Yeah. 
Apparently that wasn't as accurate as they said it was. Uh, um, really? No. Yeah, I, yeah. Act, I was really successful at that, but I will tell you, I would add about 100 characteristics where most people added like seven. So I was very, very, very specific. But that's because I knew when I wasn't very, very specific, I got that. I got a lot of irrelevancy. The point so. I'm, I'm trying to get at is that extra 5% might make a much larger difference than you think it does when you just look at the number. Yeah, very true. Very true. I mean, you know, I, I just get back to the transparency thing. We'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, you have to remember Google was the one who wanted to create it, who created Google Plus as an identity engine to log you into the internet. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and it would know everything about you. So I would like to know more about how they compiled the groups and the cohorts. But overall, you know, if that's what, if they're really doing a thing where they're de-anonymizing people into cohort groups, that's better for everybody. We got to grab, we got to grab a last break before, uh, before studio um, gets real mad at us. So on behalf <laughs> of Christine Jack and Jim from St. Walls, this is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the 4th of March, 2021. Stick around. We're back after these messages. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the uh, fourth day of the third month of the 21st year of the 21st century. March the, March the uh, 4th, 2021. It's Jim Hedger from Always Media, uh, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And uh, Christine, you know, we were, uh, we're, we're, we're fascinated by, by AI on this show. Eh? Completely, absolutely, totally fascinated. But um, <laughs> uh, sometimes AI is um, a little more uh, rudimentary than, uh, than we like to think it is. Christine? Oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I you are I was, there. I'm sorry. I, sorry, I thought you had more to that. No, it's okay. Uh, with, the, with, the, with the Zoom calls, you're never quite sure, you know. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, artificial intelligence isn't quite as developed uh, up to uh, up to the standard we think it is. I think uh, now different artificial intelligence do vastly different things, and different artificial intelligence some are more intelligent than the other, but. Uh, 
as AI becomes more and more part of our world, um, I think it's going to have a, a much larger impact uh, than just on the world of search, where it's already having a tremendous impact. Um, it's going to have a political impact in, in the long run. Yeah, it's going to have an everything impact. It just depends on where we go with it, because as usual with technology and humans, we don't develop our wisdom or ask questions of why or should we before we start developing the tech. Well, there's a really cool article in uh, Wired Magazine this month on uh, the idea of AI as an ideology as much as a technology. Um, the ideology being um, that humans just don't, aren't up to stuff, really. Don't, aren't, don't act fast enough, don't think fast enough, and um, think passionately rather, rather than logically. They make uh, stupid decisions. Or they develop the Mona Lisa or the Michelangelo. Well, again, this is, yeah. so again, AI as an ideology, <laughs> um, and, and in this case, a somewhat artless ideology. Although, that's not to say that um, artificial intelligence doesn't necessarily have an artistic bend. Oh, they've done art with it, but it's, to me, it's not the same because it's not an expression of a, a person. But sometimes it comes close. For instance, uh, Chuck's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fellow named uh, Thomas uh, Studnik, uh, entrepreneur, a Czech, a Czech entrepreneur and artificial intelligence affectionado, um, he uh, got a... Uh, his his, his the art and AI program that he wrote himself to uh, basically write a play, and it started with uh, a scene where a boy tells ask a robot to tell him a joke. Um, machine humor, by the way, is a little bit different than human <laughs> humor. Um, the joke is, according to the robot. Um, the robot says that when the boy gets old and dies, and the boy's children, and the boy's grandchildren are also dead, the joke to the robot is that he, the robot, will still be around. Now, I'm, I'm, that might not seem funny to you, Christine, but if you were a, ro <laughs> a robot, you'd it's think that's the funniest thing ever. That's true. That's true. I, I, oh, go ahead. So, I'm oh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 I was going to say something, and I realized you were continuing. So, yeah. I was just going to jump. <laughs> well, I was going to just note that, like, uh, art is, um, art is in the what could be uh, uh, just squiggly, uh, colorful lines to one person could be a a rose by any other name might smell uh, as sweet about wrote, wrote um, euthanasia. But it ended up with a fight between two characters about whose finger it was and whose anus. <laughs> you were breaking up for me, so we went from roses smelling sweet to euthanasia to some robot with a finger in a butt. <laughs> well, that's pretty much actually how the sentence was said. I'm, I'm afraid that's how the sentence went. Was there corn poop there too? I think there was no corn poop involved in the construction of that sentence. Uh, no, one of the scenes that the robot wrote um, 
it was uh, I initially prompted to write about euthanasia, and it ended up with a fight between two characters about who had whose finger in whose anus. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, which tells me the youth, youth in Asia are having more fun than the youth in North America. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing I see real quick, because I know we're coming up on time soon. Um, I have I had COVID last year, got it this week last year, getting my vaccine almost the same day I caught COVID next week. I've spent a year with long hauler syndrome. And because COVID attacks ACE2 receptors in the body, attacks everywhere. So AI can go in there and take data points that humans would take years to find by mm -hmm. learning, right? And so that's where it's good. Facebook developed the most robust facial recognition system in the world by when you started tagging photos of people back in the day. And they were, people like them and Amazon were selling these facial recognition systems until they realized that they over-identified persons who were black as criminals because the AI couldn't handle the face of someone who was not white. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's bad. So AI has to be regulated with not just laws, but wisdom on when it should be used and when it shouldn't be used. Because AI as an ideology that humans are insufficient, therefore AI is always good or better is completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, 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 the firing of uh, Timu Gibnet at uh, Google for questioning yes. how AI is... Uh, learning its way through racial bias. Um, she's one of the most brilliant AI programmers, um, well, ever. Um, yeah. And uh, 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 as a black woman, she has every reason to question how AI is gonna be interpreting racial bias, especially given that we're moving into the future. Um, and it will be an ideological issue and we have to come to a hard stop right about here. Uh, <laughs> See, studio I has, that. <laughs> yeah, studio has another show coming up uh, afterwards. If we were artificial intelligence, we'd have been able to time our words slightly better. <laughs> but they wouldn't have been as creative. And exactly. We might have gotten up each other's butts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christine, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology this week. I well, really, really you. appreciate the assist. Thank you for having me. I always have fun. So Friends, that was Christine at Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, one of North America's premier technical SEOs. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Reads Media. Next week, Dave Davies from Beatsuck in the Market is going to be back in his seat. You're listening to Webcology on UMR.FM on the uh, 4th of March, 2021. Remember, COVID's real. Take precautions. Mask up. Stay, stay a few meters apart from each other. Try to avoid other people. The vaccines are coming and people will be, vaccine, will be vaccinated awfully soon. The uh, light at the end of the tunnel is just around the corner, but we got to get around the corner. So watch out for your neighbors. Watch out for yourself. Rank well. Be kind. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.